takes captive my life. God forbid that I have just a, a, a solid moment of just an ounce of boredom or some moment where I'm just alone with my own thoughts and an imagination. Instead, I've sort of pulled out this device habitually. In fact, what I start to call it now, it's just doom scrolling because not only does the report say how much you've been on, it tells you which apps you've been on. And inevitably, the social media apps are the ones that register the highest. And here's the thing. My technology, while valuable, while helpful, while convenient, I don't think actually makes me better. It's helpful in a lot of ways, but it's not allowing me to grow. And so I like being able to see what friends and family are up to. I like to be able to see um, maybe the birth of a, a birth announcement or <clears throat> maybe someone who, you know, those first day of school pictures that get so sentimental and, and touching or the mom that outs her bad kids online for all the other parents to resonate with and says, amen, yes, me too. But if I'm honest, the more doom scrolling that I start to do, I'm just seeing people grabbing at a microphone, grabbing for a platform in order to be heard. But what they're doing is they're grieving. They're letting out their anger and their angst. And so instead of being a life-giving device, I'm finding anxiety, if not just plain and simple discouragement doom scrolling and that's what we do and so my point is this i think we're all searching we're all looking for things that would satisfy but truth be told we're looking in a lot of the wrong places and my weekly report keeps reminding me of where i'm looking to just for a better mood just for maybe a, a, a quick laugh just for a, a neat meme that might distract me. And I, and I keep doom scrolling enough till I get discouraged because people are ranting and accusing and venting. And I go, well, I gotta put this down. This is discouraging. And 10 minutes later, I'm opening it back up. And I'm like, there's something wrong with this picture. But when it comes to things like peace and joy and hope and love, we often miss them because simply we're looking in the wrong places, and yet we're invited to witness God's light in hopes of also reflecting it. So when I talk about God's light in terms of these themes of peace, love, and joy, and hope, that is the light of God in this world, and we keep looking for it in other different ways. In fact, in John chapter 1, Listen to the announcement. It's talking about John, but in reference to Jesus. Let's look about and talk about our sight for a minute. And it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. So through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. In fact, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I read this, and, and to me, I come up with two initial questions. And it's talking first about John, and John not being the light, but the question is, is can the light 
can, can I see the light even amidst the darkness? A lot of life feels dark. It feels broken. But it does not mean the light is not being reflected. So can I see the light as a child of God, believing in the name of Christ, as the name above all names, can I see the light even amidst corruption, greed, injustice, unrest? Can you see the light even in the darkness? Because it's there. We know that because of Emmanuel. See, it would be easy to think, well, back then with John, the times were different. But the times were exactly how they are today, sans technology. There was the same amount of depravity and corruption and greed and power-grabbing people. There was the same amount of exploitation. There was the same amount of all of the ills that we struggle with, too. And yet it says John could see the light. In fact, John bore witness to the light. So can we, you and I, see the light in areas that are predominantly dark? Can you see the light in your workplace? Can you see the light maybe within a stale marriage? Can you still find light that is peace or hope or joy uh, or love in the midst of your own health problems or failing health or, or, or unreconciled relationships? Because my point is this, God is always present. God is always within reach. The light can shine through. Now, the second question is, is, in, is first, can I, can I see the light even amidst the darkness? But the second question is, is, if I can, is God's light touching and impacting my life? If we're able to identify the light of this world, then how is it shaping and changing me? See, <clears throat> some things we can see, but for all of us, we gain clarity when we actually can come into personal touch. We can see the light more clearly when we have proximity and personal contact and one life touches another life. And, and that's what brings, I think, wholesale change. And that's what brings um, life becoming more impactful, if not more meaningful. Now, um, there is some fascinating research being done on blindness. So people who have been born blind with the aid of technology years later are now, with select individuals, able to see again or see for the first time. Born blind with technology, now they can see. Now, most of us understand the idea or have heard it talked about that we have five senses. And in the absence of one of those senses, the other four senses become more heightened. So what we have in these studies and in these accounts of select people who have now figured out late, years later how to see is that they've developed so many things. Now, 70% of the brain, it's speculated, um, interprets things through sight. So the people are able to see things. Now, what they miss out on is people who learn to see still walk with a cane because what you learn at a very early age when you're crawling around is depth perception. But if you get light at an er a later, or excuse me, sight at a later age, you don't really understand shadows and depths and stairs are a challenge. Fascinating, right? But here's where it gets really interesting. 
is that with people who have gained the ability to see later in life, you could put two objects in front of them and say, well, what is it? And if one was, say, a coffee mug and the other was a baseball, they would sit back and say, well, what do you see? And they said, I see a coffee cup and a baseball. And then they ask the question, can you tell which is which? And they go, no, I can if you let me hold them. And once they hold them, they take them into their hands and they go, yeah, the handle, the mug, that's the coffee mug, the round, that's the ball. Why? Because their brain has, instead of interpreting things through sight, has, has heightened its awareness through touch. Now, why do I tell you that story? Simply because we can see God in all sorts of beautiful ways. We can see God in sunrises and sunsets. We can see God in, in creation. We can see God in the timely word uh, of, a, of an encouraging and loving friend. We can see God in a job provision or a job promotion. We can see God in all of these ways, but do you know how we see and experience God? Is when it comes into direct touch with our lives. Whether we be on the giving end or the receiving end, that's where transformation begins. And so as we give ourselves to touching lives, both personally and even sacrificially, in inconvenient ways, we become the light. Because if Emmanuel is God with us, as we reach out and begin touching lives in the name of Christ, it's, it's God with us, God in us, and God through us, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. This is, this is why we gather, and this is why we hope, and this is why help is always within reach. I want to read you uh, a prayer as we close out with silent night and we light some candles. But can I pray this uh, with you? We praise you, Jesus, because when you chose to come to us, it was not with fanfare and bright lights, not with loud pronouncements and noisy celebrations, nor with dramatic entrances into our world's clashes of ideologies and armies. We praise you, Jesus, because when you come to us to touch our lives, it was in the still breath-catching moment, the quiet, pregnant wait of a silent yet subversive night. And in coming to us, Emmanuel, you imparted the light to us. And we get to reflect that light. So as we dim the lights here tonight, Damaris, if you could help, we want to sing this song together and light these candles and consider the light of the world, the light that came 2,000 years ago, the light that will be coming in some distant future, but the light that resides in our own lives in the way we know Christ personally, that you might have been touched by him and you're now working out and touching others. We light the Christ candle celebration of Emmanuel.